0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the Road to Wire Prospect podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this week, I've got my buddy, Chris Welshon, to discuss the results of the mid-season
2: p1 adp mocks that i participated in chris how you doing what's up james i am doing good i'm excited to talk prospects with you and this is actually going to be probably the biggest first look at the uh, adps they literally just finished yesterday everyone doesn't know what they are it's multiple mocks that are only prospect driven it's like you know 15 uh, 15 rounds of 12 teams everybody just draft a prospect system like you would want like you would build in your dynasty and then i take all of the the mocks And I put them together and we create an average draft position of where they went. So it's, you know, however you want to look at it, ADP or a value system, maybe it's a trade chart, you can look at it. And we've got industry people, we've got really hardcore dynasty people, and it's a really great process, but it just finished yesterday. And I haven't even done like the big major dive or done anything on my show. So this will actually be the first real uh, comparative look uh, with your league and the overall ADP, which people can find. Uh, next week or so over at in this league.com over on the patreon if they want to check it out
1: yeah this is just going to be kind of like a, a preview of that uh you definitely yeah. want to get over to uh patreon in this league and support everything chris is doing over there and uh, you'll get access to the the full thing i don't ha- i don't have access to it yet but I, we're gonna kind of talk about I'll give you, the- and i will
2: give you access you can you you always get access you get free access and well, i'm
1: a i'm a patron. So I'll, I can get it that way. But I, I uh, you know, I, I was in one of the, the leagues and we're going to kind of use those results as kind of a jumping off point to, to talk yep. about some of these guys. Um, you know, in my league, uh, the very first pick was Corbin Carroll. And I know it's kind of boring to talk about, uh, you know, the first pick. Uh, but I kind of had a an epiphany a couple days ago uh, that I think... I kind of think Corbin Carroll might be one of the more underrated number one fantasy mm. prospects uh, that I can remember. Like I think he's a future fantasy star. I've got him as like a top twenty five player for dynasty. and I feel like i'm I'm on the high end of my expectations for him. I'm on the high end of how much I like him. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of, um wishy-washy about whether it's it's Carroll or Gunnar Henderson or um yeah you know I I think there's some
2: there's no consensus for sure
1: but to me like I guess my point is like I think there should be a consensus I think Corbin Carroll to me is the number one guy with a bullet and I'm interested in what the P1 ADP results have to say about that
2: yeah, I mean, he's mine as well. He's my number one. I just was, um, I just did the it's the call up triple plays uh, prospect show, and I was talking about him in the like, who's the next guy to come up? Sure, you can make arguments that he wouldn't. I think the manipulation of what's going on with it's a new manipulation, by the way, with baseballs. Like, hey, if a guy breaks camp uh, or you know is on the opening day roster, they get a pick. That is now having this adverse effect where they put that in, I think at least uh, I could be wrong, but they put that in. So teams don't manipulate the front end, but now it's creating the ability. We don't have a track record as the first year they're doing it, but I think it creates the ability that they could be doing it on the back end where you don't want guys to exhaust prospect eligibility for next year. Because if let's say Corbin Carroll is the example breaks camp next year and is still prospect eligible and wins rookie of the year, Diamondbacks get a first round pick. You know, that's what the Mariners are going to do. So That's all to say that, like, I've been talking about Corbin Carroll, that I think he's a guy that comes up this year, but it's later and it's for a small sample size. So he doesn't look the prospect eligibility. And I kind of agree with you because Carroll is feels unsexy. And I've you and I've talked about this a little bit. Like this isn't one of the years where we've had an Acuna or a Tatis or a Franco or a Julio like it doesn't have that superstar feel but Corbin Carroll is playing at a superstar level, you know, almost 30 stolen bases, hitting close to 25 homers. He's hitting over 300 at AAA now, and he has been consistently a rock star. I thought this was going to be a little bit more mixed. In the four leagues that we did, Corbin Carroll went number one overall in three of them. So three of four leagues, so 75 percentile, and that, you know, obviously is easily going to make him the consensus number one. I think his, um, his ADP... Was 1.3 based on those four leagues, and the next closest person had a ADP of. Actually, I've got to. Oh yeah, no, this is the ADP. The next closest person had a 2.8. So one of the biggest separators between any of these in the top five was one to two, and it was Corbin Carroll. So he was kind of given the consensus marker.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think. I think he is going to be a star. I get those vibes from him. I, I would take him over Wander Franco in Dynasty. Um, and I I just think you might even be able to, like it might be a good time to, to try to trade for him and quote unquote buy high, but I don't think the cost is what it should be. Like I, I don't yeah. think he should be acquirable. Um, so that's quote, really
2: interesting yeah. that you said that. With the Corbin Carroll versus Franco, because I'm really torn on Franco right now because he had that, like, that really big boost in that first month. We were like, okay, here we go. Like, the question always has been, it's going to be a big high contact guy. Where are the counting stats going to go? Is he going to push into like an elite level with his, will he still steal and everything? And then he started to show that. And then he got hurt and then it fell apart and he never regained that. And it looked like, oh, is this going to get empty? Are we, you know, this isn't like Luis Arise empty, but how empty is this going to go? And we're kind of walking into that next year as well. Like Franco's like a star, but is he a baseball star or a fantasy star? And he doesn't look like a fantasy star right now. So that's actually a really interesting question. If Carol, if you assume Carol is going to break camp with the Diamondbacks next year, this is a guy that hits the ball hard flies, makes great contact doubles power that is turned into 20 plus, And he is not the biggest guy in the world. Super smart. He is single-handedly um, altered multiple players swings and worked with them almost like a coach in the minor leagues. And if you assume he's going to break camp and he's going to lead, maybe lead off, maybe hit two. I mean, imagine dude, you're going to have Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll at the top of a lineup for the diamondbacks. You can make that argument that he is more valuable in dynasty. And I don't think it's not a question of like straight up. You could get Carroll plus, I think for Franco easy in dynasty right now. And that might be, a really slick move. Uh, Maybe wait for Franco to put some stats back up before you jump in on that. But I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Is like you could get Carol plus for Franco, I think in dynasty and probably nine out of 10 leagues. Don't you think? Um, Or you think it's going to be hard? I I,
1: I don't know. I think, I think Carol is underrated. I don't know if Wander Franco has the shine to, that um still because like i think carol's gonna hit for more power than wander franco and i think carol's gonna have more steals per year than franco's homers plus steals like i, I just think the, the counting stats like carol's gonna double him up uh and i think his hit tool is is uh really really good i don't know what you would need to see from him uh beyond what he's already shown but i just i get the sense like people just don't have like they don't think of him as a number one prospect and i just think he's like like i think he's like a trey turner starter kit basically um but anyway
2: uh let's i'm uh, actually gonna do this real quick i'm gonna i'm gonna do this for us and we can come back to it maybe at the end of the show if you want because i think you're bringing up like just an awesome question and how about this i'm gonna put up a poll i'm gonna tag you in it james (laughs) And let's do that. Let's see what the interweb, that's always the fun thing to do, right? Is to see uh, where everybody's at. Um, let's see. Let's see what people think. Who'd you have, rather have in Dynasty right now? Corbin Carroll, Wander Franco. And if you want, we can come in at the end of the show and see, because I think it's going to be 60, 40 where name recognition might feel more 70, 30, but to what you're getting at, it probably belongs 60, 40 Carroll at this point. So um, what, what is an early prediction you think? Uh, I I think it might be close to 50, 50. Okay. Uh, but
1: right, we'll, we'll, I got we'll, it up, we'll I definitely we'll circle it. We'll back see. though. We'll circle back. Yeah. Um, All right. Cool. So then, <clears throat> which guys? You know, in I'll just go through the top uh, ten in my draft. It went Corbin Carroll, Jordan uh, uh, Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Lawler, Jackson Churio, Ellie De La Cruz, Robert Hassel. Miguel Vargas was my pick uh, ninth overall in my draft. And then Grayson Rodriguez was the 10th pick uh, was, you know, to me, it was kind of chalky. I mentioned that we actually had a, a group me room uh, going uh, for my specific league. And yeah, I, I think after I, do that. after I after I took Vargas ninth, I commented that it's been pretty chalky Um Matt Thompson from Prospects Live was kind of like, is there chalk? And I was like, well, basically what I meant was the top nine guys were the exact same as my top nine on my updated top 400, just in a different order. Were you kind of getting a sense that 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 sort of top nine-ish, like we can even kind of leave Grayson out, uh, but like is that kind of what you were noticing? Um, Were there other guys that I didn't mention who were kind of going in the middle of the top ten in any of these drafts?
2: No, I think it's really astute. You kind of nailed the exact concept of it is I I get where what Matt is talking about. Is there anything really chalky? But actually, yes, I that is in not the same order you said. Those are the top 10 guys of the ADP. That's what the ADP spit out. There was some variance. The only guy there are only two, three players. That fell, or actually, let me say it like this. There are only two players that fell outside of the top 10 on this list. And it was Robert Hassel and Grayson Rodriguez in a singular league. But every single player you mentioned, including Miguel Vargas, who ended up being the 10th overall, um, were inside the top 10. So there is a created chalk to what the top 10 value system is. I think some people might've been surprised um, that like Ezekiel Tovar didn't come into there. Uh, He did go inside the top 10 in two leagues, so he was really close. Drew Jones was kind of in that as well. Uh, He went, let's see, he went top 10 in two leagues. I took him at nine in ours, uh, in the league I was in. So those two were probably the closest, fringier guys. But that group that you said, as much as it might not feel chalk, because I think the pool is open, you've got, I think it was like Baseball America that has, churio is like number two overall now and ellie and gunner sometimes is number one and i think people are kind of flippy floppy on where they want volpe to be but at the end of the day with all of those questions it is a chalk top 10 maybe it's not a chalk top three four five i don't think you can quite say that right now but the 10 is those players and that is exactly what the adp uh, spit out
1: yeah exactly like i think um you know in those, there's obviously going to be some leagues. If you do four drafts, it's not going to be the same 10 as the top 10 in all of them. And like Tovar went uh, 15th, I think in mine, Uh, I haven't ranked even a little bit lower than that. So, um, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I did want to mention, or I did want to bring up um, Vaughn Grissom who obviously just got the call uh, Huge, and, you know, people, well, first of all, um, you know, props to Atlanta. Uh, if you go back, I think that was the 2019 draft. Um, let me double check that. Uh, yeah, the 2019 draft, I was looking at this the other day. Uh, they, they got Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom in that draft for uh, a combined signing bonus of under a million dollars for those two guys. Unbelievable. So that's, that's just elite amateur scouting and development, obviously, but I mean, scouting in general to get two prep hitters who have been this quick to the majors or up the middle players who you didn't even have to shell out seven figures for. Uh, and also that scouting by them.
2: And also that are like, kind of like molded in the same general sense, like really high contact hitters that steal that have grown into more game power. That was a little bit tough to judge early on. Like, they're hitting it out of the park, you know, and it's something you and I think sometimes we'll do is you maybe need to even pay a little bit more attention to Atlanta and some of the other guys that they're bringing in and they have with how good of a development they have. You have to give them extra points. Like we would pitchers in Seattle right now or in Cleveland or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I think they, uh, they might've, if I remember right, they found both those guys kind of in their backyard. So just really good uh, scouting by them. Um, But anyways, Devon Grissom, I took him with my second pick at 16 overall. Uh, yeah that was
2: the highest of any of the leagues uh, you took okay. him and it looks great right now yeah he did he he actually had probably'm trying to take a look here he didn't have the highest i actually i could tell you the other highest if you want to get into it but of the top 25 guys he had the second highest variance between high and low pick because he had a high of 16 which was you and a low of 35 so that was probably um that was number two of the highest variance in the top 25. Okay, I wanna to try to guess uh the top yeah. guy. Um how when about, I say it, if you don't get it, you will be like, oh duh. How
1: about um how about Noelvi Marte?
2: Ooh, that's a very good guess. But you wanna know what? He was Let's see. Hold on. I just went to him. He was pretty chalk. He had a, only a six pick difference between all four leagues. So he was pretty chalk in that one. How about one more guess? <laughs> um, you're going to be pissed when I tell you, if you don't get it, you're going to be like, Oh yeah. Duh. Yeah. I'm sure you're right. Um, this is not a guy you have in your top 25, I think anymore. So think of it like that.
1: Uh, Marco Luciano.
2: Nailed it. That's it. Yep. Okay. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I think you would have kicked yourself <clears throat> like, Oh yeah, duh, of course, because he went as high as 15 in one of the leagues. That name is still there, but went as low as, uh, 34, 37, I think it was in one of those. So he ended up still getting a pretty decent, you know, ADP when all is said and done, but he really had a high swing and he, I still think he's tough. I'm not completely out, but you don't like the strikeout stuff. He really tapered off of the power And the speed went away. So this is something where you could jump off. You could be completely out if you want. I still think there's a big adjustment period that's going to come back with him. But think about this. This is an interesting concept. Look at what Atlanta is doing. And look at the touting we put on the Giants and how falling apart that's becoming. Something we might have to look back on the scouting and maybe how we evaluate early Giants prospects where... We were like, oh my God, Luis Matos, Marco Luciano, this is crazy. And look at, at the higher levels, how they've fallen apart. Averson Artega, who was one of the best hitters in complex last year, has been a little bit more average. So they, they do really well in their scouting and how they develop these guys at the lowest levels to prop them up really high, which would be fascinating if they traded them and they were an organization that propped up their prospects to <coughs> trade like some organizations will do. But these guys really struggle in the mid-range and I don't think we have any good data yet or e- even like something to balance off of, of how these guys get, once they do get to the majors, Joey Bart is probably the only one, but it's not the same case as guys like Jairo Pomeris and Luciano and Matos are so really high international guys that haven't quite worked, but uh, Marco Luciano, probably the, the highest variance of the top 25 guys taken. And number two well, was Grisham.
1: Um, <clears throat> I mean, they've completely whiffed on some, uh, some first round, hitters uh patrick bailey um hunter bishop oh. um so i mean that they, yeah they've uh, I, I remember i was going through because i was kind of doing an inventory of each each system to, to kind of update the team top 20s a uh, week ago two weeks ago and i just remember being like man the giants just uh system
2: got way worse than it was like a yeah. year ago and they didn't really graduate anyone <laughs> so um and yeah. no advanced movement or anything like that. It's just, it's just so weird because it was like literally two or three years ago. We're like, man, look at OBP leaders, 400 OBP. They've got a type. Their guys are developing. Pomeris looked like he was really promising. Matos, coming into this year too i saw matos during spring training and he had gotten so much bigger was looking like ronald acuna like was and then it just fall it's fallen apart injuries played a role he's just not making the same contact there's no great impact it's just it's really weird of uh, the the kind of fall that a lot of these guys are having right now
1: yeah i kind of think matos maybe got too big and i think um like i sort of
2: always thought he could be kind of uh
1: like an Andrew McCutcheny type of guy and I think he's I out, he's outgrown that and then also I think the Giants were trying to cuz he he always had that super aggressive approach I think I remember reading that uh he was trying to be more patient and then it sort of turned into like he sort of lost his magic because yeah you know he was such a good bat to ball guy and he's kind of in between approaches now and so I mean with that one I would Probably just left him alone, but, um, but yeah, we're we're off track. Um, Yeah, I I did uh, so James Wood, for instance, he went 13 overall in mine. Uh, I was hoping to get him uh, at 16, and uh, Dan Fu, who I've heard you reference on your pod before, he's an ITL guy. Uh, Yeah, he's a great dude. He went Uri Perez, James Wood at the turn, which I uh, gave him props for. But um, I remember. When the Soto trade happened, I was kind of uh, saying how good of a haul the Nationals got because of sort of James Wood, to me, had sort of established himself as a top uh, 12 prospect, top 15 prospect. He went 13 in mine. Is that now a consensus or was that just sort of a, a high mark on Wood?
2: No, so it, it is more the consensus. He actually only one league did he go outside of the top twenty, and it was yours. It was your at twenty four. That was the only time he no went he went outside. he went thirteen. He went thirteen. I mean. uh, oh, I'm looking at that wrong. I apologize. It was league three, um, which okay. actually the itch. Um, he got him at twenty four. Every other one it was inside the top twenty. You know, it's a tough one. I've seen James Wood a lot uh, from. I was at his major league debut with him and Jackson Merrill. I saw him then. So I've literally seen a progression and I, I've noticed something. and I've talked about this on prospect one and I've done it in our group me rooms and stuff that he is a tough evaluation for someone like me who sees him in person a lot, because he is a play up guy. I have seen him debut. Um, it was instructs. It was minor league spring training and a rehab start this year. Every time I've seen him, he has sucked. He has not looked good. He's swinging through pitches. He's hyper aggressive. He's not patient. And also over the last couple of times I've seen him, uh, especially when he was rehabbing off of his injury out here, this doesn't want to be there. And it looks like it's just, it's power swings. And then what happens is he gets in to where he's supposed to be, gets into stadiums with people and he picks it up. And all of a sudden patient hitting comes in. He's waiting on breaking balls. He's showing off that enormous power. He's a giant human being who I've worried a little bit about, like, you know, how he was ultimately going to take care of his body. He's stealing bases. So I've always been a little bit one foot in, one foot out on him. And I kind of thought he might not make the big jump just because I might have had him a little bit lower than other people. But that didn't happen. He is a, a teens-ranked player on the P1 ADP. Uh, very, very high. Higher than uh, Noelvi Marte. Higher than Mar- uh, Marcella Mayer, for just a couple reference for people that want to know. Uh, it has become the consensus as far as what his value is is a uh, top 20 prospect, easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad that
2: the that's kind of
1: uh, where people are at on him. I mean, that, that's the, the fun thing about doing these when you did this one, like kind of mid-season, is yeah. you just... A lot of stuff is kind of everyone's kind of in agreement. Like James Wood, people are like, yep, top 20. Um, but then there was the craziest... Like, I don't know if this is just like I was just mind blown by um, something and I want to get to that in a second here, but
2: uh, yeah, I first... have a James Wood con uh, comment. I want to just give you real quick sure. before we move off of it um, is you want to talk about what I've never done a mid season update on these before. What I, what I, the first time I ever did it, I did one, one round, like five or six leagues, bam. Then the next year I did it. I did two different versions. I did like a November, October one, and then I did one close to the season and we looked at the differences. This year, I have an October one, I have a February one, and I have one now. So you get to see almost a full year uh, progression of a player. You want to talk about big movement based on these. There are two guys that had an over... A hundred almost a hundred and fifty move based on preseason value to in season. And James Wood is one of those. He had an ADP when we did it in the fall of 170. He then moved up in February to 165. And now he's inside the top 20 here. So, I mean, that is a huge, huge move he had. That's why this mid-season one, I agree. It's actually, it's something I will be on the regular now when I do these, is trying to consistently update them every three or four months. And it's thanks to, you know, all you guys that partake in it. But I think it helps us all to really see this type of big move because this is a steel preseason that now has massive value.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Let's let's head to a quick break uh, from our... Sponsors, and then uh, I'll get to the most surprising pick of my draft in the mid season P180p mocks.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: The weather is heating up, and so are the promotions at Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. All right, so Welsh, the the biggest surprise to me, and it it was just kind of um, like I just couldn't believe the way that uh, my draft was, uh, was discounting this guy. Um, and I ended up getting him as my only th- – we did 15 rounds. I took one pitcher in my 15 picks, and it was Nick Lodolo at pick 57. And he was SP eleven in mine, and some of the pitchers that went ahead of him, I was just I I just don't think it's defensible. Um, I'm not going to call the people out by name who did these picks, but Bobby Miller went ahead of him. Max Meyer went ahead of him. Yeah, let me
2: let me let me throw one thing into this. Um, This okay, this is a little bit of a dicey one because. And I acknowledge this. I'm t- Lidola will not be in the rank update uh, or this ADP. So just pointing this out. I took out a few guys ahead of time. Now, a lot of times when we do this type of stuff, we do them on Google Sheets, which sometimes is great and sometimes it's just so much work. I have it where uh, I have a dear friend Jesse Severe who hosts the Dynasty Life podcast, which you guys want to check out. He helps me with this, and we do a player pool on on Fantrax and I tried to preemptively take out players that I thought were going to like exercise it completely. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino was kind of one of those. I'm trying to remember a couple of the other guys And Lodolo was meant to come out because he was going to be close to exhausting the prospect eligibility. So that one was probably a little bit of a mistake just trying to throw out there, because I agree with you the end of the day, like, if you get outside of five SPs and Ladolo's not one of them at this point, especially from a dynasty perspective, it's kind of silly because he's in the major. So just want to like it is indefensible, but I think there's like a couple people might have had it in their minds where I said I and someone might have even asked me where I was like, mm, we don't want to take that guy. So that one got screwed up a little bit of all of the picks, and I probably will have him. I've already taken him out of it because I don't want it to be representative of his value because. I moved him way up in my dynasty ranks. And I think you were with me on this. We had big team Hunter Green going on early in the season. And I've been a Nick Lodolo guy since the beginning. And there was a time where it yeah. wasn't popular to be Nick Lodolo. It was all Hunter Green. And I'm a Nick Lodolo guy. You are as well. I think you could justify him as the number one pitcher out of all of these based on what he's doing right now. So uh it's a good point out here, but he won't be on the list because of kind of that wonkiness. And that was some, that was probably the one thing I screwed up as far as a player being available. That really shouldn't have been.
1: Okay. Well, I'll give those, I'll give, give those pass. people a a minor pass, but any, anyways, uh, Lodolo to me, yeah, just, you know, wrapping up on him. Uh, like, I think he could be an SP one, uh, in time, like just the, the bat missing stuff is, is kind of outrageous and it's uh you know you just hope he stays healthy you hope the back issue doesn't come back but uh that was my one pitcher out of 15 picks and i wasn't going into this saying like i'm only going to take hitters i sort of would have guessed that i would have ended up with three or four
2: pitchers uh You've usually been a three pitcher guy. You and I always are kind of the same way. We're not heavy pitching. We're going to go hitters. I want to say historically, I could go back and look because I do keep all of the 80. That's another thing I have on my, uh, prospect, my this big list I have with like my prospects and first year player and dynasty is I also have the historical ADP. So I have the list from 2000. 2000- 20 and 2021 and if I went back look back I would guess you and I have never drafted more than three pitchers in a single one of these and you've done every single one with me so and I think I drafted three in this one Uh, so I'm a little surprised you only took one but I don't blame you for it I actually actually went kind of high I usually don't go high on pitchers my highest just throwing it out here for anybody I'm absolutely in love with Ricky Tideman and I took him um, I think third or fourth round in this one and I thought it was a steal so uh, I'm with you not a lot of high pitching takes for me.
1: I almost got Caleb Killian with my last pick. Uh he went 3 picks ahead of me. Uh but that was that would have been a pick 177 in this draft. Um yeah. and I real I think honestly you know why I didn't get many pitchers is just because I had just completed this update. And so I was just um you know rattling off these hitters that I had moved up or just I guess I guess there's a decent amount of hitters where at least in this draft room I was in I was hired than everyone on. And so I just kept taking those guys. And so none of the I think the pitchers, it's a little bit more kind of obvious, you know, sort of who the guys are. Um, Whereas I think there's more sort of pop up hitting on this this midseason update, at least for mine. So I think that's kind of how I would uh, sort of explain it.
2: Um, One thing I like to do too, is I like to do these before everyone has these bigger updates. Like I did wait this time for the draft. I thought that was super important, Uh, but I thought there was an advantage to, especially conversation is doing these before myself, you or cross or anybody had any big public updates. So that had major, major influence. Cause we can go and back and take a look because, you know, I, I even think, like I said, I'm a little bit lower on James Wood than maybe everybody else. And my own rank didn't change any influence of where he went. And I think those are other ways to kind of look at this as well. You know, you can say, you know, you didn't publicly go out and be all in on a guy that you moved, you know, really, really high up. And yet he was still up shows that people are following you, or you can kind of start to feel fine deals of, Hey, you know, you see this guy way up here. The consensus thought before you released, it was down here. That might be an advantage of how you can, you know, get in some trades early on or even into the off season. So my next question is, was there any
1: consensus on who the number five first year player draft pick is after those four prep hitters?
2: Okay, so who who the fifth one was. Um, Let's take a look here. So I can tell you who it was once I get to them. I can maybe Uh, – or go ahead. Yeah, no, well, I found – okay, so I found them. Sorry. Um, There's a big gap is the first thing I'm going to tell you. It is the prep hitters. There's the number one guy. Then there's a gap. Um, Here's a fun fact. The three prep hitters not named Drew Jones were – back to back to back they're all back to back to back on the list and then there's a there's about a 35 pick gap and i guess you could call it a consensus number five is brooks lee on the list Uh, he was inside the top 75 there's only one other guy that's at the top 75 marker but he's about six or seven picks lower it's Kevin Prada but Brooks Lee is the guy that's given the uh, totem here with a top 70 overall pick he had a high of 60 and a low of 81 as far as where he was picked where if I take a look at a couple of the guys lower Parada's highest was 65 so that doesn't get it Zach Neto had a high of 63, but the rest were kind of in the eighties. And uh, one I was surprised about was cam Collier might've had one of the biggest top 100 differences where he had a high of 67 and a low of one Oh five. And I got him at one Oh five in my league. I was shocked that he was still sitting out there. So the, the next grouping starts to be So I think how it looks is like, you've got your prep, then you've got Brooks Lee, and then what you've got is a barrage of like the Paradas, Nettos, Colliers, and Jacob Berry's. And that's how they sit. So Brooks Lee ended up being the guy.
1: Okay. That's interesting. I, I think that might just be there. There might be fewer people who are low on Brooks Lee. I, I would think maybe than, than anything else. Like I, I got, that's Jacob a good Bar- way to put it. I got Jacob Berry at one twelve. Um, so my 10th round pick. And he was just sitting out there. I almost took him a couple times. And you got uh, him so-
2: crazy low, by the way. He was in, he only had a variance of 10 picks in all three other drafts. You got him almost 30 picks lower than anybody. So, for whatever reason, you're, and that's why it's so important to do multiple leagues here. Because if we only did mm-hmm. yours, you'd be like, holy crap, Jacob Barry is the biggest value on the planet. He's outside the top 100. You're the only one that got him outside the top 100. Same thing with me with Collier. Collier had only a difference of, well, I guess he had a little bit bit of like 13 picks, and then all of a sudden I come in and I get him 25 picks later than anybody else. So people are not that's where there's going to be advantages. People are not caught up on the rookie guys, but I do think how you said it, it's a pretty good way to do it. Like there's a floor with Brooks Lee, I think that people trust, but the upside I don't even think it's a question. The upside of Barry and Collier is bigger than Brooks Lee. But I think after the high school guys, people just kind of get stuck and they are just like, well, I'm going to go. And not to down talk Brooks League or anything like that, but there's a there's a much better floor that goes on with him compared to maybe some of the other upside. I mean, look at Zach Neto right now, by the way. That was a hit double A. Look at the aggressiveness on there, already starting to look really good. That's a guy that I think could be uh, five. If we redid it right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see him at five based on how aggressive the promotions have been and how good, you know, theoretically, how good he's looked.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see what the production looks like uh, at AA. That could also be a thing where they're pushing him almost too fast and he the numbers won't look that great at AA and then people won't really know what to do with it. Um, well,
2: it is the Angels. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're just so Oh my <laughs> gosh. They're they're uh, never it's mind. I don't don't want to get off track.
2: Um Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I I you know, I mentioned that I think uh Corbin Carroll to me is like one of the more underrated number one prospects that I can remember. Uh, I I also think we might have a player right now in the prospect pool where the gap between their dynasty value and where they get ranked on real life lists is maybe bigger than I can recall. I mean, Christian Pache maybe is the closest uh, Ooh, that I can come this up tees. with. You you uh, should have
2: done this right before commercial break. This tease has got me going. Wait, who are we talking well, about? Well, no, I, like
1: I want to. I want you to. I want you to guess. Like who?
2: Okay, so, so. the guess is that they have a bigger gap than even Pache between fantasy and real life. Okay, so let me look here. Let me take a little peek because this is a great. Okay, I think it could be this guy right here. My guess is Gabriel Moreno. Yep. 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 Did I nail it. Yep. You know, I'm good. I'm good. I know this thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree because that started to happen to me as well. I loved Moreno in the AFL for uh, his patience. I, uh, though, one of the things that happened is he wasn't really making any big contact. I likened his patience and his pitch recognition to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I didn't want people to freak out because he didn't have the power like him. But you know, he had the, his, his timing mechanism with his hands up, up up top and he didn't take bad pitches up until the back end of the AFL where sliders started to eat him up. Actually, Caleb Killian destroyed him in the uh, championship game, just was getting eaten up, eaten up by sliders. And I was like, oh, OK, that's interesting. And he looked like if that contact, you know, power lessening developed, if that contact turned into big power, this could be a really valuable catcher. only thing is it doesn't really look like that's necessarily happening. There's good contact ability, but what you saw was this is a real life guy, kind of similar to how we're seeing like Francisco Alvarez be like the number one prospect on all these lists because he's a catcher. Moreno is still like in the top 10 because he has that full spectrum of talents behind the plate, but he screams the lack of fantasy upside right now because it looks kind of empty. It kind of feels Luisa rises to me. So um, as soon as I saw his name kind of scrolling the list, I was like, Oh, this has got to be the guy because that's who I would pick between the big gap.
1: You know who he, uh, like I'm getting, uh, and I was hot. I, I took Kyber Ruiz in a couple of redraft leagues, uh, I think like kind of late one hundreds or so. Um, but I, I'm sort of thinking Reno could just have a Kyber Ruiz type of, uh, you know, trajectory as a fantasy player where he's barely rosterable early on because of just the complete lack of power. And I ranked him 102 on my last update. And I didn't have a single person reach out wondering why he was outside the top 100, which just tells you that people are kind of in agreement for fantasy. Like, I always get people reaching out about Francisco Alvarez because I have him outside my top 25 and it's it's always for people who aren't rotowire subscribers and they see that he's not my top 25 and they think i hate the mets um yeah. but like no one said anything about me having moreno outside my top 100 so um yeah i i think the catcher market in general is it just it's Cooling. fascinating to me because of uh how how deep it is to me at, at this point when you if you're just talking about like catchers between the age of like 20 and 28 there might be 20 guys that you would happily have as your catcher in dynasty and to me that kind of devalues all of them except for the very top guys like Adley is fine Will Smith's fine uh Alejandro Kirk is is great obviously um but like the the guy who's going to be 10th or whatever at catcher to me it's just like who cares um
2: yeah, I, I guess it's good. And I think what's really important for a lot of people to also recognize with themselves, I've tried to say this a lot, is like understand who you are as a fantasy person. I think that's going to help with some of the players that you draft because it's like if you are a guy that if you don't have immediate production and you know you're going to just fall off, then like maybe, the, the, especially the catchers, are not the guys for you. Like it, it starts to become a little bit easier to recognize like, oh, this is a player that's going to have some early struggles and might take of it. I think Gabriel Moreno is going to be a good player major league starter but kiebert Ruiz is actually a really good comp of what you're doing because kiebert was a crazy high contact guy that then tried to sell out for power lost his contact took a little while and now i think he's like a startable catcher but he might get into that top five six catcher range down the line a little bit because he's got power contact and stuff but there's no guarantees so if you can't sit and wait Catchers really shouldn't be your bag right now because there's so many good ones. There's so many. The depth is out there. Good guys in a general range of the Henry Davis to even I would take Kevin Prada at this point over Moreno. So I, I'm agreeing for the pretty much with everything you're saying. And kind of uh to that point of patience, um, he's not a
1: prospect anymore. But like I'm incredibly impressed by MJ Melendez's rookie season as yeah. a hitter. And yet I've I've had people like saying, like, I'm ready to kind of move on from him. And it's just like, you know, he's he's slashing 230, 315, 431 with a 200 ISO as a rookie catcher. Like, what were your expectations?
2: I, I like, Impact bombs, impact power too. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. The impatience is, that's why, like, I guess my big thing is if you are impatient and you can't play the long, any version of the long game, then you should be all prospect assets. They should be assets yes. you should sell high and buy low, and you should be comfortable with that. So don't you so you don't need to ask us those questions, by the way. Who hey, would you hold on to? What do you care? Because you're not going to be patient. You should sell at the highest point of all the guys. And that's just a great dynasty strategy in general. I don't think it has to be a hundred percent because I think there are guys that are worth waiting on, and hopefully we can try to help with that. I'm just not sure Moreno is one of those guys. And I don't think he is
1: necessarily. And- like, uh, Francisco Alvarez, I would say, I, I'm sure your ADP backs this up, uh, probably the consensus number one catching prospect, but if you've got Francisco Alvarez right now, and you would be very disappointed if he did what Andre Melendez is doing in his rookie season, then you need to tell him right now, because that's completely thousand, in the realm of thousand percent agree
2: thousand. I mean, I think Francisco Alvarez is going to make better contact, but your point is dead on. Like, If you would be upset with those results, then you should sell because this is an all-time high. I mean, if your trade deadline is like another week and they call him up, that should be the moment you are selling off of Francisco Alvarez because that ain't for you. This is not going to be for you because these guys are, he's the classic prototypical type of player you could see struggling with batting average. Melinda's is a really great comp of like, if you can't stomach it, just go get everything you possibly can. Go buy, go trade him for Wilson Contreras and get something else and just be, you know, maybe get a younger yeah. piece or two pieces that help now and just be happy with it.
1: So uh, I want to wrap things up with a couple, just sort of um, the way that you are sort of looking back on your draft, like regrets in terms of sort of battle testing your ranks. Because I had a couple that, that popped up to me um my my one big regret is, and this is kind of injury related, but uh I took Curtis Mead at 40th overall, and I was between him and Brian Rocchio, who went three picks later. And if I could do it again, I would take Rocchio uh because I'm a little worried with Mead. Like, I mean his injury right now is could lead to Tommy John, and it's not the end of the world for a position player, but it would. Uh, kind of set back his his ETA a bit. Um, did you have any regrets in your draft uh, where maybe you were hoping a guy would come back and then he didn't and you'd kind of wish that you were just taken him or just anything kind of along those lines?
2: Yeah, so there's definitely one. There's one that stands out and it happened right away. And there is a newer perceived value, which I don't know if I 100% understand, but I regret, even though I probably wouldn't have gotten him on what I did with George Valera, because I think there is the opportunity that I could get Valera later than I value him. So I value George Valera very high. And I took him with my second pick. So I took Drew, and I actually was debating with my first pick, and, th- and you said it really well. Th- these are also about battle testing your own rank sometimes and understanding. It's not something where you're gonna like change necessarily your valuations, but on how you draft, you know, especially if you wanna try to take advantage of market value, was, I was like, all right, Drew Jones, Valera. I'm going to go with Drew Jones. And then Valera came back and I was like, sweet, this is great. I'm going to take Valera. Well, um, he ended up having an ADP that again, he wouldn't have necessarily lasted back to me, but it was quite a bit lower than where I took him. And let me, I reverted because I, let me revert this sheet back because I was looking at my own team here one of the things that um, stood out was I think I was the highest person on George Valera. So let me take a look here. Where did he go? He had an ADP. So yeah, I took him, he had a low of 37 and I took him into the teens and only one other person took him into the teens. So one of the the the, the regrets in that is I passed on Yuri Perez and that's kind of just my mental state of like, not necessarily going with pitchers. Uh, I don't think I like Yuri Perez quite the same level that every other person does. Uh, I think I like Ricky Titaman more than anybody. Um, but I, lo- I love Yuri Perez. He's exciting, but I don't think I'm like, oh my God, take him in the first round. So, but I would have liked to have done that. But then I don't know if I would have taken Ricky Tiedemann later. Uh, so I do regret, in, but I, I, it's a positive in the battle testing of George Valera that I took him just, I took him way too high compared to what the market value is, but I did get my guy, but I passed on a couple guys that would have looked really good on this construction.
1: Yeah. And then to, to the, the point of kind of battle testing, uh, I just kept like, I love, like I think Jonathan Aranda has a really, really good hit tool. And I think he will hit for, you know enough power like i think he could hit for a really high average with like 20 homers uh maybe 25 homers in his mid 20s but i just kept passing on him and i just realized that i just i ranked him too high on my last update and i think a big part of it is just the the Tampa Bay Rays aspect of just i don't know how long it's going to be until he's playing 5 days a
2: week and it might not be till this time next year and like that just I think there's also a burn factor with them. I mean, think of the high ranked rays that are not working out. Vidal Bruhan, you could argue, obviously Franco, Josh Lowe. I mean, we, we you know we, we prop this system up a whole lot for what they do, but then two things are kind of consistently happening one is they hold those guys back or don't give them full playing time and two is the production isn't really there you know like how many of these guys are really working at this stage of the game so i think those burn factors kind of come into it regardless of the awesome tools that he uh he actually did have an adp inside the top 100 but it was just barely
1: yeah and and i you know i didn't uh, end up with him i i think i ended up taking like i took uh well obviously i took Ladolo over him but I took um like Brett Beatty Brett Beatty I used to be like the low man on Brett Beatty but he's like finally doing everything that I was upset that he wasn't doing and he's just taken off uh, I got him in the sixth round I'm guessing that was towards the low end of, of where he went
2: um yeah by the way Ana Aranda you want to check this out he had a high of 50 and a low of 132 he, uh, so obviously uh, Jordan Miller, who, uh, or no, I think this is Eric, the actor who took him. Eric must be a big fan of yours and paid attention, right. took him 50. Yet in your own league, he went the lowest in your league because you kept <laughs> passing on him. He, he went 132 in your league because you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to test and see who these uh, people are going. He went outside the top 100 in three of those leagues. But literally uh, Eric's ADP, his draft spot is what pushed uh, Aranda inside the top 100 in that fifty.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that, that's why I love, uh, I love when we do these like in the off season. I mean, there's usually a couple of people do sort of, um, you know, mocks or dynasty mocks or something in the off season. I, Cause I do really value battle testing uh, the rankings. Uh, you just, when you're on the clock and then you've got, you know, three or four prospects in your queue, if you keep passing on a guy uh, like I was with Aranda, and it, again, it, it really has, absolutely nothing to do with his, uh, skill necessarily. I just, I hate that idea of him being up for two weeks, going back down for a month and a half and then being back up for three weeks. It's just, um, something that you kind of have to expect with, with the Rays. Um, let's see here. Uh, what about, uh, what about my guy, uh, Yidi Kape, who I took, uh, 81st overall, um, seventh round, uh, where, where did he sort of settle in the, the ADP?
2: Well, I can tell you, you were not the highest or the second highest to draft him. You had the third highest, only one league. He went outside the top 100 and he went as high as 53. And that was actually in the league that I drafted because I was looking at him. I have a, uh, I don't know, I consider a relatively aggressive grade on him. And he went inside the top seventy-five. So his ADP is sitting inside the top seventy-five. Some really fascinating names people might be interested to look at that are around him. But a very, very aggressive rank on a really stellar season so far. Uh, good body projections, you know, power-speed combo type of player. And uh, he's he's a guy I I fully expect to make a big jump. He was fun fact. He w- had an ADP of one ninety-six the first time we did this. He was undrafted in the February ADP and remember we were all in it every single analyst uh or at least all the ones that partake with me and draft we didn't he didn't register and then this time he jumped up and that was a huge huge move from uh early even preseason which was done in February to right now big move
1: yeah I mean I'm sure that there's a ton of teenagers that had just crazy movement um because Gabriel Gonzalez,
2: go- my guy, Gabriel Gonzalez, huge move, actually above Yiddy Cappy. So.
1: I'm sure Anthony Gutierrez went undrafted. I'm sure, you know, like in the february one uh
2: yeah both actually Gutierrez, i'm looking right now actually I just saw i just want to point i it's just funny you said him i saw him yesterday i went over to uh rangers uh to the surprise in the stadium uh because i had been missing seeing him and i uh, caught him finally for the first time kamar rockers out there brock porter just hanging out and i saw Gutierrez. but yeah he went in both of the mocks we did undrafted and this time uh he went i believe 108 uh, something like that like 108 so he you know complete huge change into this season
1: yeah, I, I got him in the 11th round of mine. Um, anyone else you want to, you want to tease anything you want to, any, anyone else like really sort of surprise you or you think people might be surprised about where they went before we, before we wrap up?
2: Uh, I think there's a bunch of fascinating stuff. There's a good, a bunch of good confirmations in here, which I, you know, people are going to follow my ranks cause I am doing this a little bit, but like Mason Wynn went really, was really high, which i like to see. I think he's crazy talented, I'm still, I'm a Gavin Williams guy, but like Gavin Williams had a higher ADP than Ricky Tideman. And I just don't agree with that. So that was kind of fun to see um, just that Gavin Williams is still getting like a lot I and mean, he should get a lot of love. It's just Gavin Williams breaking before, like, let me look here. Gavin Williams went higher than Tideman in the. I think three of the four drafts, which is just really surprising to me. Um, he's a solid pitcher, but I think Tiedemann is just absolutely electric. We saw the downfall of, uh, Brennan Davis and Nick Gonzalez moving outside the top 40 on the ADP, which most, most, uh, might be like cool by lows. And they're like, you kind of said, there's a bunch of really interesting young guys that show up in the top 100. Davis de la Santos is in there. Gabriel Gonzalez Capi, who We talked about, uh, Lazaro Montes, Warming Burnable, uh, Adil Amador, all of those guys ended up being inside the top 100. Which Montes is a, was. Montes yeah, was Ma- top 100? Ma- Montes, uh, inside the top 85. Wow. Let's see. Holy he crap. did not go outside 100 in a single league that we drafted. He was inside the top 100 in every single draft we did. So that, that's crazy because like
1: I, I haven't ranked just inside my top 100, but I was getting a lot of uh pushback from people about that. So
2: 71 um, was the high highest single drafter uh was 71. And by the way, just to point out not to be all like silly about it, but all of this stuff I'm reading off, you can see on the sheet on the uh, P one ADP sheet. Like it has the previous drafts and it shows you who drafted each player and, and like, It'll break by a guy's name. It'll then break all four of the drafts. So you can see just really simple, like this is where this guy went in all four drafts. And then you'll get to see analyst names and stuff like that. It's just like a cool handy tool. Oh, here's one last, at least one last one we can leave with. And then we could check out the poll. Oh, yeah, um, the poll. Khalil Watson, just inside the top 100, but almost fell outside of it. He has fallen in all three drafts. We've done had a 38 fall ADP, a 42 and this time almost outside the top 100. So uh, that was very very interesting that um you know he barely made it for for uh, examples Alexander Canario and Arolvis Martinez were drafted higher than Khalil Watson. So that's been quite a move. Uh do you have any guess on the poll? I'm going to take a look real quick. I haven't looked.
1: Well yeah, my my I'll stick with my original guess. I think it's going to be close to 50-50.
2: We had some cool uh, I love it you always have like the quintessential comments. The first one, not even close. Yo, know, oh, like, oh! I mean, are... Like
1: I would have, I would have put a ton of money on someone saying it's not even close, totally. without even knowing which direction they said it was not even close in. I would. I, someone I, was no, going to say it's not even close.
2: My bets would be uh, not even close. The other <laughs> bet, which didn't happen, I would have not cashed. Would have been, uh, why are we even asking this? Why that's the other one. That's always a fun <laughs> one. Uh, but let's see. Uh, We had a couple votes for Carol. We had one person go Wander by a lot, a lot. And the vote, it's uh, going on here, 52.8% Wander Franco. So it's not even close, except within 2%. It's not not even close,
1: except it's almost 50-50. Except it's almost, exactly (laughs) like James
2: said, 50% with a slight, slight lean to Wander Franco.
1: It's not close, all caps. (laughs) All right, well... (laughs) Uh, that's, that's a classic Twitter. Uh, yep. well, um, tell people again where they can get these.
2: Yeah. Check it out. Uh, in this I will tell you, it's not posted as of this second. Right. Um, uh, but when you sign up on the Patreon, you get a whole month and hopefully you want to hang around. I do updates every single month. Um, you know, I, I kind of always said, like, I think I know you gotta like pay for everything nowadays, but everyone's trying to do what they can to keep making this great content. That's what you guys do. And that's why you should support Rotowire, which I know everyone listening to this does, and there's always consistently cool stuff, but having a couple really good ones that you are into uh to pair off of each other, I think is a huge advantage for you and I would hope anyone checking out James's would want to maybe check out mine as well. So I update every month and this ADP will be available probably within the next week at inthisleague.com. It's at like a $5 level. And I will also have the historical old ones as well on my big sheet. So you could go back and look at like what happened in 2020 and 2021, and this is a fun tool. And listen, I'm gonna do it again in October, right around AFL time. And that will probably be like the last 2022 update. So we can have this big look of one year on how things have changed. And then we'll kind of start it all over. So big things in this league.com, sign up on the Patreon. You're directly supporting me if that's your thing, or you just want to get the cool stuff. Follow me on Twitter. Is it the Welsh? Whenever I can post out some prospect videos like Gabriel Gonzalez's monster Homer last week or Josh Young making his debut. I was able to catch a couple of those, which was fun.
1: Awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Please support what Chris is doing over at in this league on Patreon. Uh, My dynasty rankings will be updated uh, Thursday morning. Sorry for the wait on those. Can I, uh, can
2: I ask a question on your dynasty ranks real quick? Just one, just one. Michael Harris. Uh let give me, me a range. Uh
1: he's in the 20s, I think. Late 20s. Okay. All
2: right. All right. Yeah. I mean that so we're almost identical cuz I made a huge move on Michael Harris on my last one. I'm I'm all in, so we're about the same spot. Love to hear it. Love Absolutely, it.
1: man. Uh well, really appreciate it. Uh I'll be back next week.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?